FC3 Communications presents a spoken word given to our congregation located at 1800 Hall Brown Road, where our senior pastor is Dr. Karen B. Johnson and assistant pastor Glenton Queen. You are welcome to join us as our services are held every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Enjoy the word. He's in the process, so let's give God the glory and the honor. Amen, amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to ask while you are standing to please turn with me to Proverbs, the 22nd chapter. We're just going to look at verses 1 through 6. Proverbs 22, I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. And it reads as follows. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. And in the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls. But those who have preserved their life stay far from them. Verse 6 is where we're going to be for this morning. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for everything that has transpired in this worship celebration. We thank you, God, for the prayer that has gone forth. We thank you, Lord, for the song. We just thank you, Lord, for the fellowship of us coming together to worship and to praise you and to give you honor. We thank you for all that we have heard today. And God, we're asking that what we have heard, that we'll take it and digest it and take it into action. Because, God, you are calling us to a higher place in you. And so, Father, as we come for this time of your word, I pray, dear Father, that I decrease in self, and I pray for a fresh anointing upon this word and a fresh anointing upon myself, and I pray for a fresh anointing upon the listeners. So, God, we just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. 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 You may be seated. Start the children off in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. I'm entitled in calling this sermon series Raising Jesus' Children in America. Raising Jesus' Children in America. Those of you who are with us last month know that we spent the entire month of February talking about love and marriage. We talked about the dating game and we talked about singleness, but we primarily talked about the marriage relationship. So it's only fitting that we expand the conversation, if you will, 
and talk about the relationship with our children, relationship with our children, and that is regardless of whether or not you are biologically a parent or not, but the fact is, is that as adults, we all have some type of influence or impact on those, on children who are around us. So as we're talking about expanding this conversation, it's important, again, that we do expand it and talk about our kids and our children and our relationship. For it is the coming together between man and woman that children are created and, and brought into this world. And like the institution of marriage, family is a God idea. God created the family to be the core, the building block, if you will, of human society. All of our human institutions, the core of it, the foundation of it is the family. The family is the foundation upon which all of our social institutions are built, and children are an integral part of that core, for it is within that core, it is within the realm of the family where children first learn their identity. They learn if they are valued. They learn how to be respected and to give respect. But most importantly, within that family, especially a Christian family, is where that child learns who God is, who God is. The family is where children learn what they live. They learn what they live. They, they learn from what they hear. They learn from what they see. They learn how it makes them feel about themselves and how they feel about those around them and their environment in general. For this next few Sundays, I just want to do some real talk, if you will. You know, in my family, we grew up where we all gathered around the dinner table. Every, every meal, every evening, we all gathered around the dinner table. And it was at the dinner table where as a child growing up, my parents was talking to, talking to us what was happening in school, what's happening around. But it was also at the dinner table where we talked about what was going on in the community and how it was impacting the community and the changes that need to be made. Those are the conversations. As I became a parent, that, that same tradition continued where we come around the dinner table. Even though there's only two of us in the house together, guess what? The two of us still sit down and have dinner together and we talk about what's going on in the world. We talk about uh, each other's dreams and hopes and so forth. So for the next few Sundays, I just want you to kind of pretend that you are at my dinner table and that we're all sitting around the table and we're just having a conversation, if we will, talking about some things that's going on within our community and some things that we're having to deal with. And so the thing of it is, is that when we have these conversations, sometimes they may be a little uncomfortable because we're going to be confronting the fact that when the Word of God instructs us to raise up a child in the way he should go, it takes on a completely deeper and expanded meaning for people of color because our experience is like no other race in America. The black experience can never be fully understood by anyone who is not black. They can sympathize with us. They can protest injustices with us. They can embrace our history 
and celebrate with us, but they will never fully grasp and understand what it's like to be black while living in America. They will never be able to grasp that. And it's under this reality that we have the responsibility for raising up our children with that reality that we are going through an experience that no one else knows what it's like except for us, and we still have to raise up our children to become Jesus' children in such an environment. Proverbs 22 and 6, again, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from that. That can go two ways. You can raise your child up in the right way, and he will not depart, or you can raise your child up in the wrong way, and he will not depart. But I just want to speak today, if you will. We're just having a conversation. This is not going to be a shouting message. But what this message I hope will be is very much what Minister Janine said in her prayer, and that how God is taking us to another level. And the level that God is taking us to is not always going to be comfortable like we think it is. Sometimes when God is moving us to another level, it means I'm taking you out further because I need your hands to get dirty and I need you to put some elbow grease into what needs to change. We often think going to another level means it's going to be comfortable. We are now going to sit back. We're now going to be in chill mode because it's all good in glory land. But that is not the case. God is taking you to another level as the saying goes. He's taking you to another level because you got another devil that you got to deal with. And so here we are as we're having this conversation because our challenge is not only to, our challenge is is not only to train up children in accordance with the instructions found in this passage that I've read to you from Proverbs 22, but we, you and I, people of color, are charged with raising godly children in an ungodly, anti-people of color while living in America. I'm going to let you sit in that for a moment. Because I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. We just may not have always talked about it. But I'm not telling you again, not anything that you don't already know. There are some things that we have to teach our children in the scope of the Bible that are not issues or concerns for non-colored people. We have to teach our sons and daughters not only to avoid the Delilahs that was preached about a couple of Sundays ago, and not only have to teach them about the hackers who are trying to hack into their heart and to take away their dreams and their destiny, but we also got to teach our children how to drive while black. We have to teach them how to deal with the reality of racism but still be a Christian. We have to raise our children and teach them that a dog whistle is not just a sound that only dogs can hear, but a dog whistle is a code and veiled language that sounds innocent but is communicating a different message. Law and order and tough on crime are codes for we need to keep them blacks and Hispanics in check. Anybody uncomfortable yet? 
War on terror really means keeping Arabs and Muslims out of this country by any means necessary. And building a wall is really about the fear that America is becoming just a little bit too dark. Our challenge as Christian people of color is to make the gospel of Jesus Christ relevant while teaching our children how to be both unapologetically black and a Jesus child all at the same time. That's what we got to do. The tremendous challenge before us, before you and I, before every parent and every grandparent and every auntie and uncle that's in this room and every family friend that's in here, the challenge before us is not new. Because every generation since we were involuntarily brought to these shores had to raise children up in a society that considered them to be less than what God had created them to be. Throughout the days of slavery, we had to raise our kids. Through Jim Crow sitting on the back of the bus, we had to raise our kids. Through the Civil Rights March, we still had to raise our kids. Even when we had to march on the Black Lives Matter, we still had to raise our kids. The task of raising up a child in the ways we should go still requires that God extend to us an extra amount of grace, an extra amount of mercy, because we need all of that if we want to raise up our kids to be Christian and black and living in America. If it seems like I may have a little attitude. I'm trying to check it. Because I'm telling you, again, it's not anything we don't already know. But in these past few weeks and what we have been kind of dealing with and what we have been seeing, especially with our kids, it kind of ticks me off a little bit of the challenges that we have to deal with and that we have to make sure that our kids, our children are taught in a way because I still got to teach them how to be and to operate in this world. But at the same time, I teach you, but you still got to love Jesus and you still got to be a Christian. Because he said, turn the other cheek. And I got to make a decision if I'm going to make that cheek turn. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? And I know, I know God got us covered. But sometimes God's ways challenges us as well, we got to deal with some stuff. I, I hope you're following what I'm saying here. You, when you just got to deal, you just got to deal. You got to deal with it. So it requires a, an extra amount of grace and knowledge and wisdom to teach our children how to live and to use his word, not only to just survive. We got to teach them how to thrive. How to thrive. You may be wondering why I chose this title, Jesus Children in America. How many of y'all Stevie, uh, Stevie Wonder fans? You know? Stevie Wonder had a song called Jesus Children of America. And I chose that song because when, when, when Stevie released that song, he released it 40 plus years ago. And when that song was released, America was grappling with racism, poverty, and a rampant drug epidemic. 40 plus years later, we're still dealing with the same issue, still dealing with the same struggles, and we're still raising up our kids. Let the church say amen. amen. We still have the same thing going on. 
As I was thinking about this and thinking about, you know, what it is as parents that we have to do and what my parents and their parents and all down through the generations, I thought about, you know, when, when, when you go to college, um, there are, are basic and um, general courses that everybody has to take. Regardless of what your major is, everybody got to take this cert, certain a number of courses that they have to take. And each university sets its own minimum requirement. Some universities have, require more than others, but at, at the end of the day, every university has a minimum requirement of credits that a student has to earn in certain subjects. So that's how I best equate raising children of color versus raising non-children of color is that we have to offer our children more basic and upper-level classes in order to make it in this world. See, we, we not only have to teach them that we, that, that we need Jesus for salvation, but we need to teach them how the Holy Spirit will keep them, how the Holy Spirit will keep them in the face of injustices, especially when they find out that Becky with the good hair just got promoted into a job and now they're asking you to train her. See, if the child doesn't have the Holy Spirit in them when that takes place, something is going to jump off and it's not going to be good. And all what's going to happen is they're going to flick off and it's going to mess them up and they're not going to be able to move on because they spoke to the injustice but they didn't do it in the right way. And sometimes the right way can make people feel uncomfortable because now they say you're bound and scraping. No, you're not bound and scraping. You're learning how to play your cards right. You don't always tell people what you got in your hand. But you just got to know what, how many books you can pull off of them cards that was dealt to you. And so we have to train our kids, our children, how to deal with that. How, how to deal when you know you earned that A. But for some strange reason, you can't get that. We have to train our kids how to deal with that. And that just comes with the territory. Whether we like it or not, or whether we're uncomfortable, we have to change our, train our kids. I remember, I remember my mom, and, and those of you who know my mother, um, well, she didn't have any cut cards. It, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> She's just going to go ahead and tell you. But, 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 but my, mom was, my mom was in the school system, and she always felt that she never wanted to be a principal. She never wanted a high-level position. She said, I know God called me to be in the classroom. I know that is where I'm supposed to be, and that's where she was. And she used to tell me, she used to say, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for you. She said, it's not going to be easy for you because, see, she said, you have to understand that you're going to have to be twice as good to get the minimum of what you deserve. That was a hard thing. And at first, as a kid, I didn't quite get it. So she said, you're going to, and I, think, I didn't think it was fair. You know how we grow up. We go like, well, that's not fair. Well, you know, life isn't fair. 
And, and that's another thing we got to get in our head, too. We always looking for life to be fair. Life is not fair. It is what it is. You know, and that's what her thing to me. She said, you got to be twice as good just to get the minimum. You just got to just to get the minimum. And then you got two strikes against you because not only you are a colored girl, you are a girl. You black and a woman. All right, so you got two things you got riding up against you. What you going to do about it? You going to sit home, talk about it, or you going to get up and do what you need to do? So we have to teach our kids that. We have to teach and give them instructions. She, I remember her giving me instructions on going into the store. She gave me instructions on going into the grocery store. She always said, when you go into the store, you make sure to put it in a bag and you get a receipt. Don't ever walk out the store. Anybody else parents of that? Don't ever walk out the store without it being in a bag and a receipt. And I'm like, well, mom, everything don't always need to be in a bag. You put it in a bag. I don't care if it's a pack of gum. You put it in a bag and you make sure you got a receipt because I want you to understand you will be the target of shoplifting and you got to prove your innocence at all times. Do you hear what I am saying? Do you understand what I am saying? So again, I didn't understand it, but as I got older, as I got older, I began. So when the gospel of Jesus Christ, when the gospel of Jesus Christ was introduced to our forefathers, It was not meant to help them. They did not introduce the Bible or the word of God to our forefathers to be of assistance to them. They they introduced it to them to justify their enslavement, to justify that there is, um, that they were not all the way human. They, they, They introduced the Bible, they took this word to say, you, you are less than, and you have to understand that this word verifies and confirms that you are less than, so therefore, you have to listen to me, your master. I am over you. That's what they used it for. But, 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 but how many of you know what was, what was meant for evil God flipped it around and made it for good. Because, see, them same people that they said were supposed to be enslaved, were supposed to be less than, they started reading this thing on their own, or somebody was reading it to them, and what they heard was a completely different message. Because what they heard was they found out that the Jesus in this book not only understood their suffering, but he also spoke against the oppressor because he said, I came to set the captives free. They understood that. They understood that this Savior validated their humanity, that this Savior gave them hope in spite of hopelessness, that what was meant to hold them back and not become who God had destined them to become, they learned from the word of God, that's not what this is all about. Because the Savior that's in this book, the Savior that was on the cross and is now sitting in heaven, came to set me free. Not only to set my body free, but to set my mind free. You see, even though slavery is over, so they say, because all we got to do is go look over in the prisons. 
there's still a thing about the mind. Because you can be walking around physically free, but if your mind not free, you still locked up. If you think that all is well in this world today, guess what? You in prison. Because that is not the case. That is not the case. So the question we ask again is how do we raise the Jesus children to meet the challenges of today? Because we're still dealing with stuff today that we dealt with years and years ago, but we also got some new stuff on top of the old stuff. We got terrorism. We got gun shooting in the schools. We got a whole lot of other stuff that's on top of what we already got to deal with. So although there's no set formula or no one size fit all as far as direction is concerned, we just want to highlight a few points between this Sunday and, and, and the next couple of Sundays. So one thing we want to talk about, we want to talk about the importance of teaching our children why and how it's essential that we think generationally. That we think generationally. We have to teach our children that because we have to leave them a legacy. We have to leave them something. And, and, and what we have to teach them is that they have to understand that God thinks and he speaks generationally. Look at the Old Testament. God identified himself to a, as, as multi-generational. He, he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's three generations he's talking about. He don't, he's not talking about one generation. He's not talking about, he's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Whenever God is speaking, he said, I'm talking about your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. He doesn't just stay in one generation. He, he speaks, he speaks for the future. He speaks about what's happening right now, how it's going to impact the future. And he wants you and I to be future thinkers. Not only future thinkers, but future doers. You got to do the thing. We get into that later on. But you have to, you have to, you have to do the thing. And, and so the question is, what are we doing now that will raise our families up to another level? And what was going? And what is the legacy that we're going to leave them? What are we doing right now? Right now, that's going to be better for your children and your grandkids and the kids that you still don't know but yet to come. What are we doing now? So we want to talk about that. We want to talk about, we want to talk about the power of potential. The power of potential that every child has an untapped strength. Every child has a dormant ability. Every child, God has placed in them a seed, a seed in them, and that seed is intended to be multiplied and to grow. And because God has given parents, and for that matter, again, I believe all adults who are directly, indirectly in contact with children, he gives us the responsibility of uncovering and helping a child to become all that he should be. Look at that kid who's sitting, that child who's next to you. Look at that, think about the child you may have left home or that child is in family, in your family. Those diff children, look at them. And when you look at them, understand that there is destiny inside of them that you can't see, 
but God has placed it in them and we got the responsibility of pulling it out of them and so that they can become who God has intended them for them to be. We got to be on the money. We got to be on the money, which is leading me to my one point for this morning. My one point for this morning. And as I was thinking about this one point, and let me just tell you what, what, I, what I had. I said that my one point for this morning is that to raise up a child in the way that he or she should go is going to require that we help our children to identify and deal with unchecked baggage of pain. To help our children. But I, got, I, I had to pause on that. Because, see, before we can help our children... Mm-hmm. You got to help yourself. You got you, you to gotta, you gotta help yourself first before you deal with the kids because, see, you can't see the pain in your kids because you are blinded by your own stuff. And, and one thing that any pastor or counselor would tell you, they would tell you that there are too many adults walking around with a child locked up on the inside of them. They would tell you. Any pastor counsel would tell you, you've been on this long enough, they're going to find that you're going to run across. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying there are many. There are many who are walking around with a child still locked up inside of them. They, 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 they get this. They may be successful adults. They, they, they may be um, doing well, um, talk well, wonderful accomplishments, great achievements. But behind all that smile... There's a child that has never been healed from a hurt or trauma that was inflicted upon them. And normally it comes out in another way, in a different way, but they don't realize it is the pain of their past that's coming out of them. And so you just sit there. I, you know, I like to watch a lot of documentaries. And, just, and, and when you watch these documentaries and, you talk, and, and they're talking about how successful these people are, but when, you start talk, when they start talking and they start talking about their past, and you hear a whole lot of hurt, and you hear a lot of rejection that they have gone through, and then my question is, but have you ever dealt with that thing? Because maybe that's why you got that addiction, is because you never dealt with that thing when you, that when you were a kid. And so, and so, so, so you, have, you have that group of people who, who never dealt with it, and then, and then you have the other set of adults who go through life but it just seemed like they can't get it together. Anybody know anybody like that? They just don't seem like they can get themselves together. And so when you, when you look at it, you find out is that they just seem like they don't have a sense of purpose. You see potential, but, they, but the potential is wasted. And it seems like they're walking around with no direction. And, and you see the greatness in them. Have you ever just seen somebody? You, you've, been, you've been dealing with You see their talents. You see their gift. But they can't see it. They can't feel it. They don't recognize that it's there. Because they are still trapped at whatever that age they were, whenever that hurt took place. And so they're still trapped there. And because they can't get out of the trap, they never move into their destiny and they constantly walk around, can't commit to no relationship because they're broke. They can't, they can't, they find it hard to commit. They can't just settle down. They don't have any direction. And then here's the thing. Then they're broken 
But then broken people end up getting kids and they raise broken children. Because broke gets broke. Broke gets broke. And so now, here we go. We'll talk about this later again, generation. That's when the generational curse kicks in. Because you haven't dealt with it and that brokenness carries over from you to your children, to your children's children, to your grandchildren, until somebody along the line recognizes that this foolishness has got to stop right here because we can't keep going down this road doing the same old thing, hoping for a change, and no change comes in. Have to deal, have to deal with the, the hurt within, to deal with the hurt within. And then you have some who are stuck and don't know they're stuck. Broken, but don't know they're broken. You offer them counseling and they'll go like, I don't need counseling. I'm good. No, you're not. No, you're not. And if you got some good friends, your good friends should let you know. But then again, birds of a feather flock together. So your friends might be just as broke as you are, and so they don't know either. It's time for a reality check. It's just time for a reality check. And the thing of it is, is that they grow up thinking, they grow up thinking that they're not stuck and they don't realize it. They know they had, a, they know they had an issue, but they think because the issue is in the past, it is too far in the past to affect them now. They think that just because it has gone, that is not impacting them. But they don't realize that even though it's in the past, it is still working on them. And so we have to, we have to, to raise our children up. The first thing we got to do is deal with ourselves. We got to deal with the unchecked baggage that we've been dragging along for year after year after year and not unpacking that stuff. And the reason why many of us don't unpack is because we don't want to confront what's in the baggage. We don't want to deal with it. Again, asking the counselor and the pastor. As soon as you get to a certain point with a person, and all of a sudden they can't make it back to see you again. Because they got something going on. Oh, I can't make it. Can I cancel? I'll, I'll see you again. And you don't see them again. You know why? Because just as you got right to, you were right there at the door. And they weren't able to come through that because they didn't want to confront and deal with the issue in their life. When the reality is that Jesus was ready to set them free. He said, I've come to set you free. I've come to set your mind free. But so many people walk around with a captive mind because just when they got at the point, the enemy stopped in and said, oh, no, you don't want to do that because everybody's going to know your business. Everybody know your business anyway because you're already showing it. I'm just simply saying time to deal with it and get it out. Let the church say amen. amen. And so if we want to deal with that, we have to deal with our pain. We have to deal with that baggage. And no matter how big or how small that luggage is, let's go ahead, unpack it. Let's deal with it. Let's cry our tears. Let's throw a little bit of snot around. Let's do what we got to do so that we can be healed, set free, and delivered. How many people just think their freedom is just an awesome thing? It really is. So here's as we close. The one thing that we got to understand, that it's not a coincidence 
that most of the damage that happens to us happens when we are children. Most of the damage that comes to us, most of our worst experience happens to us when we, ha- when we are children. Anybody watch Ayanna Van Zandt? Anybody see that last night? Heart-wrenching. It was just heart-wrenching. It was just absolutely heart-wrenching. And the thing of it is, is this, is that it's not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence that children are exposed to so much hurt and pain when they're young and innocent and when they're incapable of dealing with it. Because it's all the scheme of the enemy. It's all the scheme of the enemy. Because the enemy knows that every child that breaks from the womb has the potential of becoming his enemy. And so if he, and especially if they're coming from the womb of a Christian, they already know that child right there has the potential of becoming his enemy. And so right now you already got a target on your back. Your kid already got a target on his or her back because you gave birth to him. And you a believer. And he knows that you're going to raise him up to be a believer. And he doesn't want that. And so that's why your children get distracted and get off course because it's really the enemy coming after them because the enemy may not know what God has planned for them, but what he does know, God does have a plan. And whatever it is, he wants to make sure that he can do all that he can to stop it. Even if it means you not getting your healing because if you don't get your healing, your kid won't get their healing and he would have succeeded. He would have succeeded. And so his scream is that, is, that, is that while he tries to interrupt the destiny, he tries to kill their purpose and steal their joy by inflicting as much damage to their hearts, their mind, and their soul. And then these kids grow up and they become adults, again, with unchecked pain. Raising up Jesus' children in America means that we have to fight. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against the government. We are not fighting against the neighbor. We are fighting against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, and we cannot forget that. We cannot forget that. So lastly, our responsibility is to teach our children. And let me just add with this point. we got to teach our children what God has already done for you in your life. You need to tell your kids your story. Now, I'm not saying you got to tell them the old ugly glory, glory stuff. But you need to tell them just enough about how God brought you out of some stuff. How he delivered you from some people and some situations. That if he had not stepped in, you have to be honest, you do not know where you would be at this moment. You need to tell your children that. You need to let them know that God is the one who saved my soul. You need to let them know as children, I am not a perfect parent. I done did some stuff. But I don't want you to do what I did. Look, look, I'm going to tell you. Let me tell you this. And I could be wrong, but it's just my truth. This foolishness, this foolishness, of people saying, children are about, well, I need to make my own mistakes. The devil is a lie. If you already know, if I'm trying to tell you, if you go 100 miles an hour and there is a brick wall down there, you need to slow your roll, why are you going to tell me I need to make my own mistakes and hit the brick wall? Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Because there's some people think that they're not going to hit the brick wall. But we're here to tell you, yes, you are going to hit the brick wall. Why? Because we hit the brick wall. Why you want to go down that path? Because I want to make my own mistake. You know what? Make a mistake. Because <laughs> I done told you. Then we got to go and pick you up after you done hit the brick wall and I done told you don't go down there in the first place. Don't that just tick you off when that happens? I just want some real people to be talking to me. Don't that just tick you off? It does. You'll be like, and I told you don't do that. And you done gone on and did it anyway. And now you're looking for me to come and help you. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to let you marinate in that foolishness for a while. You know, that's what happened to the prodigal son. He didn't come to his senses until he was out in the pig pen. Sometimes you got to leave them in the pig pen just a little longer so they can come to their senses. Just leave them out there. Tell your kids how one door was shut, but God opened up another. Tell your kids how you almost threw in the towel while you were ready to give up. And just when you were ready to send out some invitations to a pity party, God turned your situation around. Tell your kids about that. As parents and as adults, we are role models. The task that we have before us is incredibly overwhelming. Blows your mind. But we don't have to fight this battle alone. We don't have to go ahead and the word tells us, first of all, God said the battle belongs to me. He didn't say not to fight. He just said the battle belongs to me. I'm going to win the war. I just need you to get out there and fight. So that means we can't sit along the sideline, understand what I'm saying, and praying that everything's going to work out. Sometimes you got to put some faith with that action. And sometimes you need to get up off them ash your knees and deal with what's going on out here. Because it is what it is. I'm praying by and by the Lord going to deliver. He's going to deliver, but you got to get up and get some elbow. You got to put something in. You got to put something in the fight. Our confidence, our confidence is that nothing's impossible with God. Every child that God has entrusted us, it is our responsibility to cover them in prayer. We not only need to pray for our kids who are here right now, Pray for them unborn ones that are coming down later on in the generation. Pray for the kids that are coming in the future, that the Holy Spirit will cover them, that the blood will just wash them clean and keep them safe, that no matter what the challenges and obstacles are going to come their way because they're going to come, that they're going to rise up with Holy Ghost boldness, and that they're going to be able to face whatever challenges they may have. You got to teach them. We got to start right now covering them kids in some prayer. And I mean, when I say cover, I mean drench them. I mean, soak them. I mean, I mean, you come to the point, you pray so hard for your kids that if they fall in the ocean, they won't even get wet. That's the kind of prayer that we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? That covering prayer. Yes. Because that's what it's going to take to raise Jesus' children in America. Come on and give the Lord a hand praise.
as our decision counselors are coming forward. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, God, and we just thank you, Father, for this moment, for this time of sharing. And God, I pray that as those words have come forth and that your word, God, that your intent, your purpose for us, I pray, Father, that we would grasp it and that it would just sink deep into our hearts, into our minds, into our bodies, and into our spirit, dear Lord, and that we become a people of action. I pray, God, to cover every child in this room, every child and every unborn child and everyone that's on the way, that, God, that you would just protect them. For, Father, you know the challenges that they will have. And, Father, we know it is only you that can bring us through because it was only you who brought us through in the first place. So now, God, we just want to thank you. We just want to give you the glory and the honor for everything that you've already done for us. We thank you for the testimonies that we have because of you. And God, but more importantly, we thank you for the salvation that you have given to us. So now, dear Heavenly Father, as we pray for everyone within this sanctuary, dear God, we pray, God, that every child that's under the sound of my voice, every, every adult with a child still locked on the inside, I pray for their freedom and release right now in the name of Jesus, that deliverance that you have already preordained for them will come to pass, will manifest itself on this day and in this hour, that anyone who came in these doors locked up will walk out of these doors free. For that we give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. 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 As you're standing before, as the altar, uh, altar guild is standing, altar guild, as the decision councils are standing before us, we just want to ask, if there anyone in here, that if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I mean personal, and when personal Savior, this is what we mean that you have a relationship with him that's only unique between you and he. The relationship that you have with Jesus Christ is not like any other relationship that he has with anyone else because he is unique and so are you. And he has a special relationship just for you. And if there's someone here in this room and you would like to have that personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ, we invite you to come down and meet with our decision counselors and they will give you the plan of salvation. They will tell you exactly how to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship. If there's one, we would like to receive you now. If you're here and you're in need of restoration, been off the mark, been missing the, mark, been missing the post, been missing the emails from Jesus and everybody else, he's been telling you to come on in and you haven't come in yet. There today is the day. Come on down. So that you can have restoration and be restored in the right relationship with him. If you need somebody to walk with you, talk to the person beside you. Ask them, they'll walk with you because many of you in this room have already made that walk and you know exactly what it's like. So salvation, restoration, membership, and also baptism. If you desire to be baptized, we invite you as well. Is there one? All right, first Christian, check your neighbor, check in front, check behind. Everybody good? All right. All right, let's give the Lord a praise. To stand all over the sanctuary. Let's do praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let's join hands and arms.
Father, I pray that you will bless these, your people. Bless their going out and their coming in. And I pray, God, as they go out into the highways and the byways, that your light will shine so brightly through them that it will draw dying men and women unto your name. So, God, we just thank you. We give you the glory and we give you the honor because you are an awesome God. You are a mighty God and you are one who deserves all of the praise. And let the church say amen. Amen. Oh!